All God's people said? Amen. Amen. That was wonderful, wonderful worship. I, I don't know if you were as blessed as I was, but thank you, worship team and uh, choir and Sid and all of you for sharing it. You know, it's always amazing to me because we have such varied different services. We have a, a laid back um, contemporary, for lack of better term, service that sings more choruses and hymns, but it's just a, a laid back type of service. And uh, then we have a very traditional service that's much more traditional in line with uh, what many of you might have grown up with. It, is, it has the choir and the accompanist and the hymnals. And uh, people always say, well, you, you can't combine those two because everybody will get mad. The people that are in the traditional uh, won't think it's traditional enough. And the people in the contemporary won't think it's contemporary enough. But the problem with that is who cares what you think? Because we're not <laughs> really because we're not here for you. Uh, because what we're here for is to worship our Lord and Savior. And so uh, this morning we recognize that uh, we can blend and you can stretch and you can move a little out of your comfort zone when it's about praising and worshiping Jesus Christ. And what you experienced in that was a bunch of people moving out of their comfort zone for the cause of Jesus Christ and that worship being a sacrifice of praise. The Bible tells us when there is a sacrifice of praise, when it costs us something, it is always honoring and glorifying unto God, and we will always receive His presence and His blessings from that. And so I appreciate you being here, and I know uh, it is a stretch sometimes, but I appreciate you working with us to honor and to glorify Jesus Christ. This morning I'm going to do something uh, I don't do much as a pastor, if not hardly at all. As, uh, as much as preach a message, I'm going to share some, some from my heart. I'm going to talk a little bit about where we are as a church. And if you're a guest or a visitor, then this will help you understand not only us as a church, but what I think God is calling the American church to. Uh, people all around are trying to figure out where, what is the answer for the church. The church is in decline. The church is struggling. Some people have written off the church. Well, I've got bad news for you. Uh, if that's the case, because Jesus Christ is not coming back for a beaten and bruised bride. He is coming back for a transformed church. And so what we need to do as the body of Christ is recognize that we are called to something more. And so this morning, as I talk about us at First Baptist Church Blowing Rock, in general, I'm talking about all the churches. I'm talking about God's church because really we're going to go back to see what the original church was all about to help give us direction to the future. But before we can talk about uh, where we're going, I want to talk a little bit about where we've come from. And uh, just to refresh some of your memories, and if you haven't been here, then this will be uh, maybe new to you. But I want you to see how God has a plan through everything, how God uh, keeps his hand on all of us as a church and as individuals as long as we are faithful to where he is leading us. On December the 30th, 2012, which was almost three years ago, I preached a New Year's message for 2013. It was New Year's weekend, and I was preaching a message looking forward to the new year, and the message was called a radical realignment. A radical realignment. I used Jesus' parable in Matthew 9. And I want to read that parable to you uh, just so you can get a glimpse of what I was preaching three years ago. Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? For the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and they will be not fast. No one who sews a patch on unshrunken cloth or on an old garment for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. For if they do, the skins will burst, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. 
The whole idea of the message was talking about this idea of new wineskins, which is a new work of God, a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we talked in that service about how we were going to have to be new wineskins, that we were going to have to be flexible, flexible in our thinking, flexible in our motives, flexible in, in the way we do things if we were going to receive what God was trying to do in our lives as individuals and in the life of the church. I, I want to read you some of the quotes directly from that message that I said three years ago. I said, when the new comes, oftentimes those that are in the middle of what God was doing yesterday will attack what God is doing today. See, it was happening in Jesus' time. That's what Jesus was confronting. Jesus was coming with a whole new, uh, totally different contemporary set for the church. It was a new covenant. And the people that had always done it, even those that were John the Baptist followers, were saying, wait, we don't understand this. And Jesus was saying, you need to recognize that I'm doing something new. And to receive this new something, you're going to have to be flexible. I suggested that danger comes to the church when we stop worshiping God and start worshiping the methods and the people that are supposed to point us to God. Everyone can change as long as it doesn't touch my stuff. I will use this quote. If we want to experience the new wine, we must be willing to adapt to the change that God is working in and wants us to do in our church and in our lives. I warn that churches fail when we fall more in love with our methods than with our mission. And I close with this statement. What God is doing in, in and through this church may mean, this was 2012, may mean that we will look in the future far different than we do today. But it will trust that it will be God's work. Isaiah 43 is how I ended it, verse 18 and 19. Forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing something new. Now it springs up to you, do not perceive it. I am making a way in the desert and a stream in the wasteland. And he was. We followed that passage, that, that sermon into the spring of 2013. Into the summer of 2013, we, we studied the book of Nehemiah. Any of you remember that we're here, Nehemiah, anybody? Nobody remembers that? We'll stop preaching. <laughs> Study with Nehemiah. Probably 25 messages on the book of Nehemiah. And we discovered in Nehemiah he was called to go back and rebuild what God had originally intended. To go back and restore the walls. We learned from that sermon that any time that you strive to be obedient, that you strive to, to be faithful to what God calls you to, you're going to face opposition. And Nehemiah faced opposition. Matter of fact, he learned that the opposition didn't come from outside, but it came from inside. And we learned during that sermon series, remember the people that were throwing the bricks, the, the people that were gossiping, the people that were spreading rumors, they were the people that were supposed to be on their side. There's a man named Sanballat and two of his friends that were trying to tear down what Nehemiah was doing. And we went through that whole series trying to discover exactly what God was teaching us through it. I share some of this with you because, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 6 and 7, he who has ears, let him hear, and he who has eyes, let him see. And when I preached that message back in 2012, probably none of us in this church, whether you've been here for two years or you've been here for 50 years, would have imagined what God meant when he said, I'm going to be pouring out new wine into new wineskins. Probably none of us would have realized how true that statement was that what God is doing today may mean that we will be different in the future than we are even today. Because He did. And if you were to look at the life of this church in the last several years and all that's gone on, all that's happened, what I want you to understand is none of it happens in a vacuum. 
None of it happens on accident. That God has a plan. That God has his hand on us all the way through every step of the way. See, God was working in our hearts out what he was doing in the life of the church. He was preparing us, planning for us before anything ever happened if we would have had spiritual ears and spiritual eyes. If you remember, if you think back, if you were here, we followed that up in 2013 with the study of 1 John. We went verse by verse through 1 John and we learned what love was all about. We learned how to forgive one another. But we also learned that there was a warning to those that caused disruption in the church. There was a warning to those that caused dissension. Then last year we had spring and the summer. We talked about faith. You may remember the series, The Heroes of Faith. And we learned to see the unseen. We learned to trust God even when we couldn't see what was going on. Even when we couldn't touch it, to walk by faith. You see, so many of us in the church, we walk by sight. We watch, walk by what we can see. And God was teaching us as the body of Christ that we had to walk by faith, trusting that he is in control every step of the way. And even when we can't see it, even when we can't count it, when we don't know what's going on we still trust him we learn about all the great heroes in the faith who trusted God along the way who who understood that God was at work and God had his way that led us into the study of the book of Ephesians that I mentioned earlier we learned in the book of Ephesians about a church that struggled with its identity church that really didn't know who it was in Jesus Christ. A church that really didn't understand what God was calling it to. And in the last year, we as the body of Christ here in First Baptist have come from a church struggling with our identity. Some going through a time of mourning. Some going through a time of speculation to recognizing who we are and where God is calling us to. To expanding our horizons to understand that God has a plan and a picture much bigger than any of us can have imagined. That when we walk in obedience and we walk filled with the Holy Spirit, that God is going to walk before us. You see, if we look back on these last three years, none of us probably could have imagined the changes that would take place. If we could, I probably would have bailed out three years ago. There's been a lot of change, a lot of turmoil, a lot of upheaval, a lot of difference. But God all the way through. So I believe that that message, I didn't know it then. You got to understand, none of these sermons were planned. I don't don't preach according to people or circumstance or situation. It's in my pulpit. It's God's pulpit. I, I, I planned some of these things two years in advance that we were going through. But see, God knew all along where we would be and how he would prepare our hearts and how he would work it in us how he would prepare us to get us to the place where we are today. None of us might have imagined where that place was, but God had a plan and God had a purpose. And what I wanted to share with you by starting out that way is to help you recognize his hand. Those of you that have been here, to see and to sense, go back and listen to those things. It's not an accident. You say, well, Pastor, why are you walking us down memory lane? Because you need to recognize that many times before we can move forward, we need to remember where we've come from. Now, Paul says, forget what is behind and press on. And so this morning, we are forgetting what is behind. We are recognizing that God is not, this isn't just mishmash. It's not thrown together by accident. That God, you just didn't come. Those of you that are here and that have joined the church and become a part of what God is, you're not here by. God is building something bigger than us. 
And so as we move forward, we are moving forward with the same faith that we've had all along. Let me just say something personal. To those of you that have joined in the last couple of years, to those of you that are new, that have been relatively new coming here, we praise the Lord. Thank you for coming. Thank you for trusting us. It was amazing. Uh, Those of you that don't know anything about what I'm talking about, the church has gone through a couple of splits in the last three years. Splits over vision, splits over personality, splits over um, direction. And in the midst of that, some of you joined. I wanted to say, God, it was amazing to me that that we would be going through so many different dissensions and and disunity, and all of a sudden we'd come in on Sunday and God would show up and somebody would walk down the aisle and I'd say, how does that happen? Because God had a plan. So if you're new here, praise the Lord, you're here for a reason. And God is doing something that is bigger than any of us can imagine for His kingdom in the future. But let me say this to those of you that have been here all along. Those of you that struggled, those of you that had questions, those of you that that didn't really even know what was going on, some of you. But you were faithful. You were faithful in obedience. You were faithful in your commitment. You were faithful in your giving. You were faithful in your teaching. You were faithful in your prayer. You were faithful in trusting God. Let me say, God bless you. Thank you. God has a reason that you are here as he built you up and strengthened you for the future. You see, I believe I can say as pastor of this church, being eight years, that there has never been a time where I am as excited as I am today about what God has for our future. There has never been a time as the pastor here where I can tell you without equivocation that God has some big things planned for this congregation. See, Paul uses an illustration in 1 Corinthians. He's talking 1 Corinthians 3. They're having some dissension in the church. And Paul uses this illustration about how a church is built. And he says, some, you know, come along and prepare the ground. And some plant the seed. And then some come along and water the ground. And and they protect the seed. And then others come along during a, a time of harvest. And I think that's the seasons that churches go through. You see, I always think we're planting seed. We better be planting seed all the time. But I think there are seasons that churches go through where, where we prepare the ground, and, and preparing the ground is not fun. Any of you, the, the, our students this uh, spring break or this summer went to uh, the Bahamas, and one of their jobs was to do a garden, and uh, they were excited. They were prepared to go and, and build a garden. And they got there, and Matt can tell you, and all the students that went to the Bahamas, they got there, and they walked over, and there was this huge field full of rocks. And when I say field, I mean brush and garbage and rocks, big rocks. And the guy looked at it and said, that's our garden. I said, it doesn't look like a garden. I said, that's why you're here. (laughs) So they spent their time digging it. That's not fun. Because sometimes if you're the one that's having to dig and root and and cut off and get things ready for the seed, you may never see the harvest. But you still have to be faithful. Then there's the one that comes along and plants the seed. That's all of our job, to share the message of Jesus Christ and be faithful and trusting, be obedient. We plant the seed. Then then comes probably the most unfaithful, the hardest job, not unfaithful, probably the most... uh, least recognized and that's the person that waters because see at least if you go and you prepare the ground you see it before and you see it after if you plant the seed at least you get to see something going in the ground but those that water and protect they may never see how much is happening 
Because so much of what happens, happens under the ground. And if you sit there every day, you can't see it. You, you ever watch the plant grow? How many of you had your kids when they were in kindergarten, elementary, they'd bring home a bean, right? Thanks, teachers, all of you teachers, thanks. They'd bring home a bean, you know, in a little Dixie cup, and you'd put it in the window, and they'd say, you're going to watch this grow. Kids don't understand it doesn't grow overnight. So your kids sit there for about an hour, and they're going, it's not growing, it's dead. It's growing. You've got to water it. You've got to protect it. And the next day, you know, you come, and they're looking, it's not growing. You've got to wait. And sometimes that happens in churches. We just, we just water and we just, we just keep feeding. We just keep protecting it, knowing that someday that harvest is going to come. And that's difficult. And some of you have been doing that, and, and I applaud you. You've just been protecting. You've just been watering. But then comes the harvest. Then comes the day that you can say, God begins to pour out his blessings. In the life of our church, in the last six months, we are in a time of harvest. It's not just because we're here for harvest day that I say that. I tell you that we have entered into a season of blessing. Now, we're still planting. We're still preparing ground. and we're still, But we're in there into a time of blessing. This year, by the end of the year, we will have baptized more people in this church than we have in any years since I've been here. People coming to know Jesus Christ. Families being reconciled. People getting saved. People coming that are unchurched, coming and being a part of the body of Christ. Our small groups are growing, not just numerically, but deeper and more passionate. We have an incredible unified staff for the first time since I've been here that loves each other and looks out for each other and cares about serving you as we serve one another. Cares about ministering to this body. We have a diverse leadership team. We have people all sexes, all ages, from all backgrounds leading this church. Whether it's Sunday school class or deacon or, or ministry team leader. We have new ministries being developed. We have great things happening in all of our areas. Our children's ministry is growing and, and the kids are getting excited. Last week to see the kids up here, if you missed it, our kids didn't come and perform. They came and led us in worship last week. They came and taught us how to worship. We've got children that are learning about Jesus, not just about a story, but about the person that can change their life. We have teenagers that are beginning to come, and God is building a student ministry here that I believe is going to last because it's being built on the right principles. Reaching out to college students, young adults coming, young families coming, senior adults coming. God is blessing us across the board. And, and this morning, if this is any indication, then in the last year, really probably since last Harvest Day, we have begun to see the Spirit move on Sunday mornings. There has been a unified, excited, expectant Spirit on Sunday mornings in worship where people come waiting to hear from God, waiting to sense God's presence. And it's been here as we come together as the body of Christ. I'm excited like never before. You say, well, Pastor, you... You talk about where we've been and you talk about where you think we are. So would you say that horrible question that all of us get when we're on a long trip, are we there yet? So pastor, you talked about all this stuff that we've been going through and you talk about you know, what's happening now. So, so we must be there. I remember a couple of years ago I had one of our ladies in the church come because I, I talk a lot about we're going and we're getting and we're moving and we're, we're trying to go to this place. And so she came up to me with honest heart. I said, Pastor, I've got to ask you a question. I said, okay, what? She said, where are we going? 
I said, what do you mean? She said, all you, you talk about going and getting and being and there. And we're going to get there some. Where are we going? I said, we're going forward. I said, what do you mean we're going forward? I said, we're going this way. She said, well, when are we going to get there? I said, we're not. Because see, spiritually, the moment that we get there, we're done. We stop growing. So are we there yet? No. But the good news is, is we're much closer than we were last week. And even closer than we were a year ago this time. And much closer than we were eight years ago. And we're moving even farther forward as we trust God. So are we there yet? No, but we are moving ahead, not looking back. And so as the body of Christ here at First Baptist, as we move ahead, as we get closer to where we are, I want to remind you this morning that where we are going is the same place we've always been going. Where I believe God is calling this church to is the same place that it was when I preached here in view of a call in 2007. As your prospective pastor, the same vision, the same passion. What was it? It comes from Acts chapter 2. Don't worry, I'm almost done. That wasn't just the introduction. Some of you are going, man, I'm hungry preacher. I need food's down there. Well, the good news is you don't have to beat the Methodists to the restaurant today. We were eating here. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, the very first church, listen to what he says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and they gave to anyone who was in need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved saved where are we going back to the future we're going to become the church that god originally created when the holy spirit's power fell didn't you hear it did you hear what he said in the midst of that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching they were filled with awe and wonder and miraculous signs what does that sound like that sounds like a place to believe a place where you can come and hear the Word of God and hear it in truth and stand on it as the authority of your life, where it's not going to be mixed together with my opinion, but it's going to be the Word of God. A place where you can come and ask questions. A place where you can come and and struggle and wrestle, but be discipled and led to a deeper and more intimate relationship with God. That's what they were having. What do we call it? A place to believe. A place where you can come and worship in spirit and truth. A place where you can come with the freedom to worship. That means that if you want to sit down, you can sit down. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to get on your face, you can get on your face. If you want to stand with both hands and shout hallelujah, you have freedom to worship. A place where you can wrestle with all of the truths that we discovered. This new series we're talking about, this 200 proof series, Modern Topics. A place where you can wrestle with that truth. And I told you last week, I like it when you wrestle. Because it helps you understand why you believe what you believe. Because you'll never be able to tell a lost world the hope that you have if you don't know why. And you don't know what. See, I believe where are we going? We're going to become a church that is a place where people can come and believe. That's not all he said. 
He said they broke bread in their homes and they ate together and with glad and sincere hearts, devoted to fellowship. They were praising God. They were enjoying the favor of all the people. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like a community. A community of faith with people doing life together. It sounds like a place to belong, doesn't it? See, if there's one thing I find from no matter whether you're a millennial generation or if you're the senior generation, the greatest generation, no matter if you're 25 or 75, people today are looking for a place to belong, looking for a place to fit, looking for a place to be accepted, regardless of their color, their skin, or how much money they make, or what kind of car they drive, or how popular they are, looking for a place where they will be accepted and loved, a place where they can do life together with others. That's the church. I used to always say one of my favorite TV shows and. The mid-80s was the TV show Cheers. And, and uh, before you judge me for watching a show based in a bar, uh, you watched it too. So, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the theme song to Cheers it used to always break my heart because it described, you go back and think of the words of that song, it described the church. But instead of people going to the church, they were finding that in a bar. Why? Because people are looking for a place where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came, right? That should be us. A place where you and I can raise our kids together and be a village together and go through the seasons of life together, helping and loving and lifting up. A place where you are loved and accepted. A place where people love you enough to hold you accountable. A place where the power of the spirit of unity that the psalmist writes about is released where we come together submitting one to another, meeting others' needs. That is a place to belong. Where are we going? We are going to become a church. And we are a church. It is a place to believe and a place to belong. But then look what else he said. And he said, all the believers had everything in common. They gave to everyone in need. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were saved. What does that sound like? It sounds like they were trying to be a place where people could become where you could become all that God's called you to be, where you could fulfill God's purpose, where you can discover that you have been given spiritual gifts that can benefit the body of Christ and a way to use those spiritual gifts, avenues and ministries that you can go and serve. See, we want to be a church where you can discover how God wants to use you, how God is going to use you and the plans that he has for you for the future. A place where we can be challenged to reach out to the world. A place where we can be led to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. You see, I believe God is looking for a church that we, people can find a place to believe and a place to belong and a place to become. And, and I just have to say this, if you don't know that that is the vision and purpose of this church and you hadn't been listening the last five years or you hadn't been here because it is the undercurrent of everything we teach because that is where we're going. Are we there yet? No, but we're getting there. And the closer we get to it, the bigger the dream comes. See, let me just tell you this. As a pastor, there are no perfect churches. There are no perfect churches. If there were, I would tell you to go join, but then it wouldn't be perfect, it would it? <laughs> well, let's just be honest. Why? Because there's no perfect people. There's no perfect preachers. We all mess up. That's the good thing. Because mess up is where church is supposed to be. 
Let me just share this with you. We are a building and a body full of imperfect, messed up people. Amen? That's you. You're saints. Amen? Paul told us. We're saints. We are children of God. But we mess up. And God is building a place where those that mess up, those that struggle, those that fail, those that disappoint, those that let others down, those that mess up can come and find a home. Because you see, we are imperfect people worshiping a perfect God. And we have a God that is so perfect that He loves our imperfections and redeems us and changes us. You see, I strive, my heart is that this is who we would become. This is what our passion would be. This is what our vision would be. Let me close by just tweaking the vision just a little. Some of you say, Pastor, I know that. It's written on the wall out there, amen? It's on the front of this order of service. A place to believe, a place to become, a place to belong, right? It's, right? it's right there. I know that. Well, let me just take that and toss it into your basket this morning. Because you see, what God is doing is increasing our vision for lots and lots of years. First Baptist Blowing Rock was this small local church, and we were happy that way. We were content. We reached Blowing Rock. We were happy. The Blowing Rock people came to First Baptist Blowing Rock. But over the last couple of years, God has expanded our vision, and we've begun to reach out. Surrounding areas, realizing that we could have a regional ministry and a regional voice and be bigger than what we ever imagined. And now, this morning, we have people from all over the county. We got people from Hickory. We got people from the Tennessee line, from Deep Gap, from off the mountain. Some of you are from another state and you're here. We got people from all over that can come and be a part of this. And what I want you to do this morning is to catch that vision. We don't have to just reach out to the couple of people that are around the building here, but we can reach out to this entire community for the cause of Christ because there are people looking for a place to belong. There are people looking for a place to believe. that They've been told everything, but they haven't been presented the truth and how they can apply it to their life. There are people looking for ways to take this book and use it in their lives. They just need to be told. And every one of you, have co-workers and family and friends and fellow students that are looking for that kind of place and they need to be told that's who we are. See, people don't come here by accident. You don't come to this church just because you were on the way. Because if you live in Boone, you had to drive by 12 churches to get here. I mean, if you just live up the street, you drove by three or four. You have to be coming here for a reason. And people come here... came here because somebody invited you. You came here because somebody had the guts to speak up and talk about what God is doing. You came here because because somebody brought you with them. You came here because you saw something in someone else's life and said, wait a minute, I, I want some of that. See, it's time for you to become that someone, to make an effort to help those that are searching. This morning, the Holy Spirit will put somebody's name on your heart. You see, I believe it's time we get the word out that God is at work. And God is doing something bigger than any of us can imagine. This summer, one of our visitors that was from out of state stopped me after the service. He was going on and on. He said, Pastor, I just don't understand. He and his wife were standing there. He said, Pastor, I just don't understand. 
And so we look around and we don't understand, why is this place not full? He said, why is it not full? I mean, the spirit and the worship and the message. He said, we would die to have that where we're from. Now, he meant it as a compliment. And it's not the first time I've heard that. But I, I just had to be honest. I went home that day and I wrestled. I thought, God, why is this place not full? Is it me? Something I did, something I hadn't done? God, I mean, I can make excuses. Yeah, it's not full. We've had... Uh, Two church splits. We lost a couple hundred people in the last three years. It, it's not full because, you know, we've got this and we've got that. I could blame people all day, but God says it's not any, about any of that. Don't you remember? There's a plan. So, Pastor, stop walking by what you can see and walk by what you can trust. There's a plan. For four years and eight years and 12 years, I've been working a plan in this body. Some of you have been here 50 years. God's been working a plan in you to get us to this point. He said, there's a plan. He said, I'm not looking to draw a crowd at First Baptist Blowing Rock. We can toot a horn and draw a crowd. He said, I'm looking to build a church. I'm looking to build it my way with my timing. That's where God is taking us. That's what God is wanting to do. Not something that's here today and gone tomorrow. Not something built around a personality, but something that will stand and be a light for years to come. My first week here, you can't believe it's been eight years. First week here, I've been in youth ministry 20 years. Uh, I knew everything there was to know about pastoring, which means I knew nothing. Um, Served with great pastors, watched them, learned them. I came here scared to death saying, God, I don't want to mess up. I just want to be faithful. I just want to be obedient. And I sat down with several of our older members and just talked to them about the history of the church, where we've been. I read through, you want to know how dedicated I was? I read through like 20 years of deacon minutes. Whew. I wanted to know, God, where are we, where are we been? Where are we going? And I sat down with one of our Older members, grew up in this church, been born in Blowing Rock. And I said, listen, I, I just want to know. He was telling me about the history of the church. I just want to know, what do you want to see happen at First Baptist Church of Blowing Rock? And as he started talking, tears started coming to his eyes. And so I knew it was important. He said, listen, Pastor. He said, I'm concerned that 25 years from now, my great-grandkids are going to come to Blowing Rock to see where great-grandpa was from. They're going to walk by this church and all they're going to see is a pretty building, an icon, a nice place with a great history of what used to be. He said, and Pastor, that would break my heart. He said, when my grandkids and my great-grandkids come, he said, I want them to open the door and feel and sense the power and the presence of God in this place. Because people have poured their heart and their soul and their spirits into seeing God move. That they've given everything that they can to be able to build a light on a hill where people in this community will recognize that this is a body of Christ. I didn't know what to say. So I, I'll do everything I can. I'll commit everything I can to make sure that that's what happens. Are we there yet? No. But we're on our way. We're closer today than we were yesterday. 
the question probably for us this morning, who's willing to go with me? Let's pray.